And because of that, because of the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire, who often would use a puppet regime, Herod, Herod is a puppet of the, of the Roman Empire, and, and the problem was often the puppet regime would often be more harsh than the overlords, which would be the Roman Empire. And so there's incredible oppression. But, but because of that oppression, there's also all of these um, uprisings. There's all of these, um, essentially, for lack of a better word, there are all these terrorist kind of groups that are rising up, trying to overthrow the Romans and their, the people they've installed in power. And it's just a very tense time. The world that Jesus is born into is incredibly tense. And so I believe that these shepherds, they were already anxious. And so when the angels came in the middle of the night, they scream, they jump, they are freaked out. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because I bring you good news. Chill. It's going to be okay. Now what's interesting, what's interesting is that the word that is used for good news is evangelion, which is the same word that we get evangelical from. It is also the same word that appears two chapters later in Luke chapter four when Jesus begins his earthly ministry and he says, he says I have been, the spirit of the Lord has been upon me and I'm here to preach good news, the same word, good news to the poor, the release of the captive, the recovery of sight to the blind. The year of the Lord's favor is upon us. They said, don't be afraid. I bring you amazing news. I bring you great news that will cause great joy. There's that word joy. Which interestingly, if you notice this morning, when we read from the, the passage in Isaiah that talks about rejoicing, it is also the same passage that Jesus pulls from later in Luke chapter four when he's talking about the good news coming, right? Because when, 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 when the thing that they have been waiting for arrives, people will rejoice, there will be joy. Don't be afraid, you don't need to be afraid any longer. Instead, there's something coming that will cause great joy, not just for the shepherds, not just for the people who are from the right lineage and the right family and the right line and have done all the right things and are the good ones. No, no, no. There is coming a great joy for all people, for everyone, for the whole world. Something is coming. We are on the verge of something that will change the course of history. Do not be afraid because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a savior now, one of the things that we do is we read over these passages. You know, we pull out the Bible. Maybe your family has like the tradition. You might not even have been religious growing up, but even your family would often pull out maybe on Christmas Eve the Bible and your grandfather would read the story of Luke chapter two. And, and, and when you read this passage, um, you just kind of skim over the story. It's this beautiful story, right? The angels come and say good news is coming and a savior has been born. But we just kind of read over these words really quickly. But Savior to us has such religious connotations. We made it into a religious word. But, but the translation of it, the, the actual literal translation, how it, it should be translated, is the deliverer or the rescuer. 
Now, it also Savior works, but the problem is we've so made Savior into this incredibly religious word, right? right? Jesus saves our souls or whatever it might be. But that's not how the original, that's not how this text would have been read originally. It is your rescue has come. Like, don't be afraid. There's great joy. Your rescue, the thing that is going to deliver you, has come. He has been born to you, and he is the Messiah. Again, a word like we skip over, a word we kind of run past, but Messiah literally means the the great expectation, the one, the thing that you have been waiting for for literally generations. Israel had been waiting for the Messiah, the person, the thing, that ruler who would free them from the oppressive powers, who would be their deliverer, who would rescue them, and he would be from where? He would be from the line of David, right? So this, is in, this happens, right, in the town of David. A savior has been born, the Messiah, the person, the one that you have been waiting for. Your hope has arrived, and he will be the Lord. Again, a word that we've made over-religious, but the word Lord literally in this passage is, should, is translated or can be translated as the ruler, the king, the boss. Your hope has come. And this will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This little sentence, this little verse, this little section of scripture is packed so full of meaning. They're words of political expectations. They've been waiting for hundreds of years to be delivered for their Messiah. This, for them, when they heard these words, this was not some spiritualized deliverer who was going to save their soul, but literally a king who would free them from the oppression that they found themselves under. The ruler who would lead them out of the desert. And then suddenly... After proclaiming the great news, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. Joy has come. What I, what I was thinking about as I was reading this passage is that in this moment, in this moment that fear gives way to joy. Joy overwhelms fear. But the more I thought about it, I thought about there, there's something about joy. When joy comes, it is an overwhelming emotion that pushes everything else away. When joy comes, it is hard for fear to hang around any longer. When joy comes, fear goes out the back door. When joy comes, cynicism begins to fade. Joy is this all-encompassing emotion that leaves space for nothing else. Joy overwhelms us. But there's still the question, what is joy? Definitions always fail. But joy is ultimately an emotion, but it's an emotion that goes way beyond pleasure or happiness. C.S. Lewis says something along the lines of, joy is, is, is an emotion, but you would trade all the pleasure and happiness in the world to experience joy. You would always choose joy. Now, when I first preached on joy, the worst sermon I've ever preached, the ones I still get sympathy for, um, when I first preached on joy, I preached on joy in April of 2016, which is important because I really struggled to define joy. And then in June of 2016, we had our daughter Eloise. 
And in that moment in the delivery room, when I first like held her, I was overcome with this just ridiculously giddy, undescribable emotion of joy. The, the psalmist, when he talks about joy, talks about our hearts leaping, which is kind of a weird thing to think about. Hearts don't really leap. They flutter and do all kinds of other things. But, but the psalmist says, like, the heart leaped for joy. In that moment, I understood what that meant. I was so excited, like, I couldn't contain it. I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. And, and based kind of on that experience and, and, and other things, I began to realize that, that there's a couple things that, about joy that are important to understand. The first is that joy is beyond definition. All definitions will fail. Joy wants to be experienced. It is so much richer and fuller and deeper than pleasure or being happy. But the second thing is that joy cannot be contained. Joy wants to be shared. It's, it's contagious. It overflows. The picture of joy in the Hebrew scriptures is an over-the-top communal celebration. It is something that starts with one person and then just begins to spread. Metaphors fail, but the best I can explain is like you are, you are like a rabid football fan and you get to go watch in the stadium your favorite team and they score a touchdown. It's like the last minute, and it's the, it'll, it wins the game, and the place just goes ecstatic. Right? Joy, joy is contagious. It spreads from one person to another. It's communal. You get swept up in it. And when you experience joy, when you experience joy, it, it invites others in. Right? When you have a new kid, and I know this because I do this all the time, right? When I like present people like present, I don't know, when I like introduce people to Eloise, I don't know what the word is. <laughs> when I would introduce people to Eloise, hello, meet Eloise, she's a blob. But anyway, I like, I would say something like, isn't she beautiful? And then people would like obligatory nod. Now that I look back in photos, I realize she was not as beautiful as I thought she was. I'm gonna edit this out later. <laughs> but at the moment, I'm like, this is the, most beautiful kid in the whole world. But, but you say things like, isn't she beautiful? Isn't he beautiful? Like, or isn't he handsome or whatever, however you talk, right? Like, joy invites, you want to invite someone else in to experience that joy. That is why those of you who follow me on Instagram know that all of my Instagram stories are literally just moments with Eloise. And the reason is, is because often in that moment, She's doing something so incredibly, like, cute and amazing that I want, like, to share the joy. And it never, like, it never comes across as amazing to those who are watching. It's like, seriously, not another picture of your child. You can mute me. It's your fault. But, but joy wants to be shared. It invites other people in. It can't be contained. Right? When there's a song that you love that when you listen, it makes you smile. You want other people to hear that song. Hey, you've got to hear this new band. You've got to hear it. But the other thing that happens with joy is, is it causes you to act like a fool and you don't care. Right? You have this giddy smile on your face because you are delighted or you are overwhelmed with this emotion and you don't care who is watching or what they think of you. Joy is found in the gift of close friends. 
or a wedding or delicious food. It's the moments in life that cause you to be glad, to rejoice. Joy is pure delight, and I believe that when we experience joy, it is a foretaste of God's ultimate shalom when all things will be redeemed. It gives us a glimpse of heaven. Joy arises spontaneously from the good things of the world, from wine. And that's the scripture. There's two separate scriptures that talk about wine and joy. Can we say amen from weddings, from weddings and children and worship? And even things as silly as winning, right? Like you win, you're on a team, there's this, you're ecstatic, you're joyful. I recently had friends who got engaged. And, you know, it's the thing, like, when two people get, enga- they get engaged in this particular situation, like, they got engaged and the, the young woman, um, she just kept, I didn't, I'm slow on the uptake sometimes, that she just kept, like, doing anything to, like, show the ring, right? Like, <laughs> holding her hand out as she, like, lifted her drink in an odd way. And I was like, what is going on? And then I'm like, oh, my goodness, you got engaged. I'm sorry it took me 30 minutes to recognize. <laughs> But they were just ecstatic. They wanted to share it, to to let other people know there's a glow that just literally cannot be wiped away. Or of these friends who uh, just got a house. In D.C., getting a house is a big deal, right? And (laughs) they bought it, and they'd been saving and preparing and planning. And so they they just bought, they just like signed the contract, and they were... talking about what the renovations they were going to do and how they're going to fix it up. And they were just like glowing. There was, they could not like contain their excitement. And by the end of the conversation, I felt that excitement. I felt joy for them. When you come face to face with joy, words are inadequate to describe it, but you see it, you feel it, you experience it. When the angels came to the field that night, the shepherds, they couldn't wipe the smile off their face. They were literally just over-the-top giddy because the thing that they had been waiting for, their hope, their salvation, their rescue, the freedom that they had been longing for was here. And fear is no match for joy. When joy comes, fear is driven out. This Christmas season... Each Christmas season reminds us that our freedom, that our rescue, that our deliverance has come. And in response to that gift, we are called all throughout scriptures to be a people who embody joy. Our salvation has come. Hope is here. Paul in Philippians 4 says it this way, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will say rejoice. James Chapter 1, verse 2 says it this way. Whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it pure joy. Not when everything's going great, but whenever you face whatever it is in life, consider it joy. The prevalent image of joy in the New Testament is not simply the experience of elation and celebration, but instead joy is grounded in the trust that God and God's world are good. Joy is grounded in the sense that God said God is going to do. God does what God said God is going to do. But this is key. Christian joy does not come from detachment. Not from hiding your head in the sand and pretending 
all is okay, right? There is like, there are some people who are joyful, but it's because they're a little detached from reality. Like, your life is not as good as you think. Something's wrong. I don't want to be the one to tell you. Christian joy faces darkness head on. Christian joy looks the darkness in the face and even then finds something to be joyful about. Whenever you face trials of any kind, my friends, consider it joy. Because ultimately, Christian joy is rooted in what God has done and what God is doing. Our salvation has come. But if we're honest with ourselves, including myself, many of us do not live in a state of joy. In fact, many of us live in this, the opposite of joy. We live in a state of fear and cynicism. Our world makes it easy for us to be fearful. It makes us easy for us to be cynics. And so my challenge this Christmas season is that we need to open ourselves up to joy because ultimately joy is not something we conjure, but instead it's a gift that comes to us in unexpected ways, in unexpected places. Actually, the root word for joy and the root word of gift are the same, right? They're, they share this root. Joy is a gift. Joy comes from the awareness that life is a gift. Joy is a response to the gift of life. Joy is that moment underneath the night sky when you can see a million stars and you're with good friends and you look up and you're overwhelmed with the goodness of God's world. Or when you're hiking and you get to the peak of the mountain and the endorphins are pumping and you look out over the horizon and you have this, this experience that you can't even describe. Joy and wonder often go hand in hand because it's an awareness of the gift that God has given. Joy is, joy is both gift and a response to gift. But to experience it, we have to cultivate a posture of gratitude. We cultivate joy and space for joy by focusing on the goodness of God's world by focusing on the goodness of God, by focusing on the gift of salvation. Miroslav Wolf, uh, who is a, the dean of Yale Divinity School, um, who does things like write entire books just on the word joy and um, did immense amounts of research, he says this about joy. Joy involves the construal of the object of joy as good. It is tied to how I perceive things rather than to what the things are in and of themselves. When we see something as good, it opens us up to discovering the goodness and joy of that moment. A friend of mine, actually one of the people, early people who helped us start the church, um, his life motto was, in fact, he had this put on T-shirts that he gave to friends, was, look up, the world is too beautiful to miss. The whole theme of our Advent series has been wonder, wonder over cynicism, wonder over fear. And it does not mean that there is nothing to be fearful about, and it does not mean that there is nothing to be cynical about. 
But instead, it means we choose to focus on the gifts we have been given. We choose to focus on the good. We choose to marvel at God's goodness and God's grace and God's wonderful world. It means we open ourselves up to the gift of joy. And so my challenge is that you cultivate space for joy because it doesn't just happen by accident. We can close ourselves off to the gift. So here are two quick practices. First, cultivate gratitude. Cultivate gratitude. For me, um, one of the ways that I've actually begun to cultivate joy is that when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I I go downstairs and um, I I have like a, a fancy like kettle with a like a, a, a hook neck or I don't know what it's called it's fan- gooseneck got this fancy gooseneck kettle and I can set the temperature I pour the water in but it takes like I don't know a minute or two for the water to warm up it's always too long if you have a better suggestion how I can warm water up faster I'd appreciate it um, so I do that and then I grind my coffee fresh and then I pour it in to this like the, the beehive thing and I've got my special like eco filter and then I put it in a, I've got this little pot that I put it on top of, and then I get my scale out. <laughs> what, is that, is this unusual? I thought this like, I thought everyone did this. <laughs> but honestly, honestly, that practice every single morning is, is incredibly grounding to me. And, and in that moment, I've just begun to just literally begin my day with thanking God for, his goodness in the world. And, and the goodness of, a, of something as simple as like wonderful coffee. And there, it's very actually meditative. If you've ever done like pour over coffee, like you kind of like, you have to kind of go around slowly and it, you can't rush it. If you rush it, you ruin it. And you can write that down, put that in your notes. You rush it, <laughs> that, that'll preach. You rush it, you ruin it. But when you wake up or when you go to bed, thank God. Thank God for the sun or a partner in your life or a friend or coffee or a job or health or your dog. I don't know if you can be grateful for your cat, but whatever that thing is, begin your day with, God, I thank you for the gifts that you've given me. In spite of all the, the things that are going wrong, I thank you for the goodness of this coffee, of the warmth of the sunshine. The psalmist says in Psalm 18, 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not because everything is going okay, but just because this is the day the Lord has made. It is a discipline of gratitude. The second thing is choosing language carefully. God creates worlds. In Genesis, right, we did this entire series. We walked through just the first few chapters of Genesis. But God creates the world through speech, through words. And we do as well. Like, we can speak new worlds into being. This is the day that the Lord has made. There is a goodness intrinsic to it simply because God has created this world. God creates worlds through language, and we can as well. We can speak new worlds into being. Choose the language you use wisely about your job, about your family, about the situation that you are in in life. Everything isn't bad. Learn to see the good in people. 
call the goodness out in other people and in situations. When everyone else is talking about how bad it is or how bad someone is or how awful the job is, the company is, the church is, wherever you're, whatever the thing is, be the one that looks for the good and calls it out. Call the good out in other people. It's actually surprising how, off, how few times in, in people's lives someone looks at them and calls the good out. Everyone tells you what you do wrong, but look at them and say, do you know that you, like, when you walk into a room, you just make other people happy? Like, do you know that like, the way that you pay attention to detail it just like, is really unique and makes the world a better place? Whatever that might be, call the good out in other people. Use your words to create goodness. Instead of complaining about how bad life is, begin to talk about all the amazing things that are going on. And sometimes, like, it's fun when you get together, uh, if you live in D.C., to talk about the challenges and the problems. What if we begin to talk about the things that are going right? Now, this can sound a little bit like the power of positive thinking. Maybe it is. But what I know is, from the opening pages of scriptures, that words create worlds. Words create reality. And there is a power in the tongue. Focus on wonder. Focus on goodness. There's so, much, there's so much that's going wrong in our world that we can focus on. But just for a moment, lift up your head and focus on the goodness of our world. Because I believe that joy is woven into the very fabric of creation. God created our world to elicit joy. There are gifts all around us that deliver joy. The smile of a baby, snuggling with your furry creature at home, the night skies, jumping in cool water on a hot summer's day. A friend of mine was going through a particular dark time um, in life, and, and as she, when she would walk home from work, um, there's just like a cloud that had been hanging over her head and potentially depression. And, um, and so... Uh, when she would walk home from work, she cultivated this, uh, this habit of focusing on the, the beauty around and, and then literally begin to take photos of that beauty, right? Like it, for, at times it was like a row house that was just immaculate and um, other times it was maybe a statue or a, an old art deco building or a flower or what. Like, and what, what they began to realize was that there were, was beauty all around them, but often in their rush to walk home, they had missed the beauty. And so they cultivated a practice of slowing down and actually taking a photo of the beauty. And they, they weren't even, they, like, they hated social media, so they just kept it on the phone for themselves and it would flip back through. And, the, and they said that like within a month that the cloud just began to lift and they begin to see the world differently. We have to begin to cultivate gratitude for the goodness in our lives and change the way we talk. And I believe that it literally begins to rewire our brains. Scientists call it neuroplasticity, which I'm impressed I pronounced. It creates new pathways in our brain and shapes how we experience the world. God's world is good. God is good. Our salvation has come. Philippians 4 says this. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, 
think about these things. Advent is about the scene. It's, well, we, Advent is, is about the coming. It literally means towards the coming. We are moving towards the coming. We are par- preparing for the coming of Christ into our world today, now. And some of you, there is a situation that you, uh, a mountain that you are facing that seems insurmountable. But in Advent, we believe that Christ is coming and has already come. We await and we long for a future when all things will be made right, but we also acknowledge that Christ has come. In Luke 2, when Christ comes, fear leaves and joy replaces it. One author says this, the purpose of Christmas is to bring the past into the present. Christ's coming is accompanied by joy, and where there is joy, fear has to leave. Fear and joy cannot abide together. And so in this season, when we are anticipating Christ coming into the world, the church becomes Christ's ongoing presence. We are Christ's body. Christ continues to come through our gathering and our participation together. And the beauty of Advent is is it causes us to slow down. The beauty of Christmas is it causes us to, for a moment, focus on peace and wonder through a Christmas tree or twinkling lights or families gathering around table. This is a gift. This season is a gift that we can either choose to rush through, stressed out, without noticing all the wonder around us, or we can use this season of peace and love and joy and hope to begin to refocus ourselves as we go into the next year, to remind ourselves that our world is not all bad, that there is wonder around us. Ultimately, fear is about the unknown. Joy is about the known. Joy is about the awareness, awareness of gift. Fear is about all the possibilities that could trans- transpire, all the things that could go wrong. Joy is about what's already happened. Fear is about this could go wrong and 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 this couldn't go wrong. And joy is about look what's already happened. Our salvation has come. Fear can cripple us. Fear can cause us to become self-centered and self-focused. Right? Because when we become focused on what is wrong and what, it, what we're afraid of, we, we enter into a self-preservation mode. Fear comes in all sorts of forms and shapes and sizes. It looks like cynicism and retrenchment and anger. But joy says, you know what? I'm here. I have breath in my lungs. I have a community. I am capable of wonder and awe, and I can face tomorrow. Fear is about the unknown. Joy is about the known. Maybe you could say it this way. Fear is about what hasn't come. Joy is about what has come. 
2018 has been a rough year. For many of us, joy has left the building. For some of you, you've been hurt, you've been betrayed, you've been criticized and forgotten, stabbed in the back, overlooked, left out, relationships have ended, or maybe it has nothing to do, your fear and your cynicism has nothing to do with what's going on in your life and it's what's going on in the world about the uncertainty of the future and you've lost your joy. But I want to tell you this this morning that Jesus has come and is coming and he will come again and again and again into your life, into your home, into the situation you are facing, and into our world. And some of us need to reclaim joy. We need to cultivate space in our life to see and experience the joy and the wonder that is all around us. We need to take our eyes off that thing that is directly in front of our face and we need to look up. We need to open ourselves to the gift that is available to all of us. In Psalm 51, there's this great line where the psalmist David says this, my bones have been crushed and I need some joy. He asked for joy. He's like, my bones have been crushed. Things are not going well. I need some joy. And some of us this this morning, we need to ask God to give us some joy to provide spaces in our lives where we can experience the goodness of God's world, to create an awareness of the joy that is woven into the very fabric of our creation. And so this morning, my challenge is begin to change the way you speak. Begin to cultivate a space for gratitude because ultimately joy is rooted in the awareness of gift. It's rooted in wonder. Meister Eckhart, who's one of the, um, the great saints of the church, says this. He says, if, only the, if the only prayer you say in your entire life is thank you, that would suffice. If the only prayer you say is thank you, that would suffice. This Advent season, what I know is that no matter what you are facing, no matter how cynical you become, Christ has come and Christ will continue to come. Joy is available to you. Open yourself up to the gift. All hope is not lost. Wonder is all around. Joy is possible. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this this season of Advent. Thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you for all the things in this season that, that you have gifted us with to bring joy. Christmas carols and lights and Christmas trees and parties with friends, choirs, all the things that you have gifted us with. And I pray for those of us who, with the psalmist, are crying out, my bones are crushed and I need some joy. I pray, God, that you would answer that prayer for us. And as we go into 2019, that the gift of Advent, that the gift of joy would not just be for this season, but would carry with us into the new year. And may we be people who cultivate joy. And may we be people who speak goodness, who speak wonder, and who speak joy into all we, all those we encounter. In Jesus' name.